live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here all day. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Had a great good afternoon. How are you, wherever you are? Hey, thanks so much for dialing us up into whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it's on the radio, 103.7 FM in Lafayette, 1041 FM in Lake Charles, whether it's streaming, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, or if you're in the Acadiana area, um, if you're watching on television, as we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Uh, Everybody knows who Scotty Scheffler is now, as he won the Masters by three shots over a hard-charging Rory McIlroy, who finished seven under par for the tournament, was eight under par on uh, on Sunday, including a um, sand a sandy hole out. Uh, but Scotty Scheffler's now won four tournaments, and we're only in April this year. He's accumulated some ten million dollars as we speak. Scotty Scheffler. On a proverbial roll, to say the least, he took control and never looked back. Never, ever, ever looked back. Meanwhile, LSU baseball gets a series sweep over Mississippi State on Sunday with a 13 to 3 weekend uh, with a 13 3 win that uh, earned the sweep. LSU improved now to 7 and 5. In SEC play, just uh, they're tied with Auburn and Alabama in second. They're just one game behind the Arkansas Razorbacks. The Razorbacks are eight and four after they lost two of three to the Florida Gators. And so LSU is uh, sitting sweet. They'll have Arkansas coming up this Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So after dropping a series to Auburn last week, they rebound to sweep. The Bulldogs, the story of the weekend probably centered around LSU's pitching staff that held state to two runs on Friday, three runs on Saturday, and three runs on Sunday in the sweep. The Tigers are third in the SEC in ERA, and given their offensive juggernaut that they possess, LSU looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. As I said, Arkansas had a firm grip on the SEC West, and they blasted Florida 8-1 to in Gainesville to open their series. Uh, then UF uh, bounced back with a 7-2 to win on Saturday and a 9-7 to win on Sunday to claim the series. And uh, as we said, narrow Arkansas's West lead to a single game over LSU, Alabama, and Auburn. Meanwhile, on the East, it is remarkable. Tennessee is a juggernaut. They are 12 and 0 in league play. 12 and 0. They've won 23 straight games. They lead the country in home runs. They lead the country in ERA. They are clearly 
the number one team in the country. How many home runs? Well, they had eight more in their series sweep of Missouri, extending their national uh, lead to 79 homers. Florida is second in the SEC with 61. Tennessee's homered in eight consecutive games and in 28 of 32 games this season. They are, they are something. I don't care who you're playing or where you're playing, but my goodness gracious, 12-0 and in the league, 31-1 and overall. Whew! four-game lead over the Georgia Bulldogs. So we'll talk some LSU baseball today with with Chris Reed, the former LSU Tiger, who's become a staple uh, of our show. And uh, so we look forward to that. Glenn West will join us in his normal time slide at 2.30. LSU football progressing uh, through spring training. Uh, another scrimmage over the weekend. Uh, the big story, the big flash play was John Emery, um, who... You know, looks like he's might be living up to his long questioned uh, potential. That and Will Campbell, the freshman from North Louisiana, potentially starting at left tackle. We'll talk about how uh, Brian Kelly talks about how to prepare and how to practice. And that's what he's been trying to implement, how he wants his team to practice. And now they're starting to, now they're at that point in time with the spring game coming up uh, in about two weeks, a little less than two weeks, um, giving these quarterbacks more difficult situations, more challenging situations to see how they handle the pressure. We'll talk to Glenn West about that. Uh, Despite back-to-back losses, To end the season, Memphis scored 55 points in the third quarter, 141 overall on Saturday. And then the Golden State Warriors beat the Pels on Sunday. Despite all of that, the Pels have done enough work through the 82-game regular season to secure a play-in bid, but more importantly, to have that play-in bid at home. So Wednesday night, it will be the Pelicans and the San Antonio Spurs for the right to survive and advance. Then if they are able to survive and advance, they would play on Friday against the loser of the L.A. Clippers-Minnesota Timberwolves game. If they win that one, then they get the right to play the Phoenix Suns in a best-of-seven series. So there's a lot to do, a lot of work to be done. Zion Williamson came out in the summer, remember, and said, Man, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, inspecting different results, that's kind of insane. Taylor, the Pels had to get better. The Pels did get better. Brandon Ingram will be back. Uh, So that combination of C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, um, Herb Jones, Jackson Hayes, Jonas Valanciunas, and the players coming off the bench, we'll see if they can get the job done. We'll do a precursor of the Pels versus the Spurs with – Ali Cassell will get a uh, a look back at Saturday's spring game for the Ragin' Cajuns. Uh, a new member of the group, Karaski Melvin, who is the new uh, weekend anchor for KLFY Sports, will make his, as he said, his radio debut with us. We like giving people the opportunity to start. We like to groom them, and we like to see them progress. And so we're going to try and do that with uh, Karaski Melvin at around 3.15, and Blake Rafino will join us as well. Um, after that, and who knows where we'll go along those lines. There's a lot of um, 
Georgia just got two more five-star offensive linemen uh, enter the transfer portal. Um, we've got a offensive lineman from Vanderbilt, Tyler Steen, who's visited LSU. LSU needs some help on that offensive line. Um, they, they, you know, so we'll, we'll see. But uh, the deadline of May 2nd is coming up quickly, quickly see, uh, for you to enter and decide where you're going so that you can play right away. So we will see what, uh, where all that takes us. Uh, we are brought to you each and every Monday by our great friends at ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 locations in southern and central Louisiana where they're around to serve your needs. It's a simple mission statement. ShopRite Tobacco Plus employees love serving the community and seeing their customers leave with a smile on their face. Whether your needs are fresh food, fuel, top shelf wines or spirits, or just a quick pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount Outlet employees look forward to serving you in their spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products, with their modern restrooms that are clean and comfortable, and with delicious food that's always fresh and always fast. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets have awesome deals, and they're available at participating locations um, for loyal Buku Rewards customers. It's simple. You're a a customer. You have the Buku Rewards, and you're going to save. Not only are you going to save in the store, but there's a new Buku Rewards program that's here, and that is to help you save at the pump. We're adding a fuel rewards program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases. And in addition, if you join our new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. These are new additions, so keep an eye out and go to ShopRite, dot com. Just go into your computer, press ShopRite. S-H-O-P-R-I-T-E. It'll take you right there. You can learn how to sign up. It's free to become a Buku Rewards member. And boy, you're going to have savings galore. Savings galore. My main man, James Mesh. Um, Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, James Mesh. Happy birthday to you and many more. Yours is today. Mine was yesterday. I'm not going to ask you to sing because I don't think our audience wants to hear that, but happy birthday, young fella. And I mean, young fella. Hope you have a great one today. I appreciate it, Jory. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right, let's take our first time out of the day when we come back. LSU baseball climbing up the ladder of the SEC West thanks to a sweep of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Former Tiger Chris Reed will join us. Tell us all the details when we return. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And thank you very much for joining us. We'll be right back. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. 
back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right. Uh, welcome back on this uh, rainy Monday, April the 11th, 17 minutes after the hour. Hope you're safe out and about. We got some holidays coming up uh, at the end of the week. Easter Sunday is approaching. Um, and uh, he was a fan favorite when he played. He's a fan favorite on our show. Chris Reed joins us yet again on this Monday to recap for the first time this season a uh, a sweep by LSU baseball on the road uh, as they took care of business against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. The first in SEC play since March of 2019 was the sweep, and that's when the Tigers swept Kentucky in Baton Rouge, and it was LSU's first road sweep in the league since May of 2017 at Mississippi State. Chris Reed, good afternoon, sir. Thank you for your time. How are you, man? Hey, doing great on uh, on another Monday after a Tiger uh, Tiger weekend. There you go. Uh, the first time for a sweep, and that's that's just what the doctor ordered. Now they're right. Baseball's a, just like any. It's a funny. It doesn't take much. You got to get some help from some others, and you got to take care of your business. And right now they're just a game behind Arkansas and the SEC West, and they get to travel to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks um, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I guess, um, man. Um, timely hitting something that's been lacking that you and I discussed before, but according to statistics, LSU was 14 for 20, which is 70% with advancement opportunities and seven for 14, 50% with runners in scoring position. That's pretty good there, Chris. Yeah. Anytime, anytime you have the statistics that, that show that, at that level, you're going to score a lot of runs and put yourself in a really, really good position to win ball games. So, you got to tip the hat to uh, the coaching staff and to the players for uh, you know executing and focusing on that uh, this past week and and really showing uh, really showing uh, uh, emphasis on those uh, statistical analysis. The other thing we talked about ad nauseum: defense, mm-hmm. no errors all weekend long, none. Hey, you, we need to make this a, a common theme. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they stay hot <laughs> offensively and defensively. And um, you know, it, it, it's really overlooked the defensive side of things because you assume that they can. You know, you assume that oh, you're a college baseball player, Joy. You can, you can field a ground ball and throw and throw the ball after you do so. And and sometimes you know when when things aren't going right, they kind of snowball. Um, and I tell you what, it was a really, really nice, clean defensive weekend to go along with the offensive prowess. But it was really, really nice to see them uh, to handle the ball, both fielding and throwing, and, and, and be a, have a clean, clean weekend. LSU beat State 13-3. to That's all those runners in scoring position and taking advantage of situations. But I guess the big storyline is when given your opportunity, you either seize it or you lose it. And freshman Josh Pearson, not only did he seize it, he ran away with it yesterday. Yeah, and, and, and before I get to that, I mean, we, we own Mississippi State. We own Mississippi yep. State at Mississippi State. Uh, I think – We've not lost a series there since '09, but um, 
like you mentioned, Josh Pearson played a pretty large part in in, in continuing <laughs> that trend. Uh, a couple home runs. Uh, I think he had a two-run home run game. And, and he, yeah. he put together a lot of really, really good at-bats, staying inside the baseball, letting it travel, and not trying to do too much. I mean, even though he did hit a couple balls pretty far, the swings were really, really pure. And, and from a young guy, uh, a freshman like that, that finally has kind of gotten his chance this weekend, it, it was really – Really refreshing to see uh, that we have another option, really another solid option uh, to, to throw out there in the outfield with the other plethora of talent that we have out there already. Pitching staff, uh, I think the story is the bullpen. I mean, Devin Fontenot on a on a Saturday was put into a uh, high-pressure situation with the bases loaded, um, delivered a huge strikeout uh, to strand the bases, kept the score at 4-3, to three, and then and then uh, Thompson hits one um, over the right field wall on the first pitch in the sixth uh, to take the lead. And then after that, I mean, it was, it was Gervais, Vietmeyer, Cooper, Reiselman, uh, that shut the bulldog bulldogs out over a five inning span. So they're getting a little bit of everything from everybody. It seems like. Yeah, and you, and you really have to love the back end, like you mentioned, those players on the back end of the bullpen, um, the middle relief, and the and the closers. They really, really showed out this weekend, and we threw a lot of strikes. Uh, we put ourselves in very advantageous situations to be aggressive with our pitchers. Um, and, you, and, and really one of the things I liked is the competitive competitiveness that a lot of the pitchers were pitching with Gervais, Reilsman, uh, Vittmeyer. I mean, e- even, you know, Devin. And, and you, you love to see the success there, and, and you love to see the, the, the excitement when the success is shown. And, I mean, we're talking about they were executing – pitches tough pitches to at, at a very high rate and when you do that and you couple that with uh really good uh defensive play behind them you know th- this team can become very very dangerous but it all started uh chris reed former lsu tiger and our lsu baseball analyst it started on friday uh Mikhail hilliard goes six innings uh allows 10 hits but only two runs uh it's two to one mississippi state in the fifth scoreless frame in the sixth scoreless frame in the seventh scoreless frame in the eighth here we go top of the ninth lsu trailing by one and then all of a sudden boom 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 they score four and win the series opener five to two you're an ex-player what does that four run ninth inning do to a club and explain it to me i mean it can explode the confidence uh, you know, you have your back up against the wall. You're you're cornered, and and to see the to see the team kind of come together and really put together a, a, a inning like that when you know in a high leverage situation, uh, you know it can make it really can make or break a weekend. Uh, you know, you're in a hostile environment yeah. and obviously a hostile situation at that time, and and really it's do or die. And what you saw was you saw a great focus level. You saw a strong want and will to succeed, and you know they obviously got rewarded for that. So, like I said, it can make or break a se- or a weekend series, and yeah. uh, you know obviously this one made it. 
Yeah, LSU was down to not only its final out, but its final strike. When Hayden Travinsky drew a uh, drew a walk, pinch hitter Josh Stevenson was hit by a pitch, something that, that LSU does better than any team in the country. I don't know why or how, but it just seems to happen. And then uh, Trey Morgan comes up to the plate and clutch two run uh, two RBI single up the middle and then Dylan Cruz just took it and took it deep a two run missile over the right center field wall to give LSU a three run cushion wow and then Gervais comes in and gets the Bulldogs in order and that had to be the most enjoyable win for LSU this season it had to be oh most definitely uh when when you string it together some at bats like that um you know, it, it's a trickle-down effect. And, and what you saw was, one, you know, it, hitting is very contagious. And so is the game of baseball in all aspects. You know, you, you hit well, you're probably going to pitch well. If you field well, you're probably going to hit well. You, you, you don't want to bring any negativity from one to the other. Um, mm-hmm. And, when, like I said, that, that at-bat by Trey Morgan, the at-bat by Cruz, and obviously the at-bat by Travinsky, I mean – yeah. Gee whiz. I mean, talk about putting some really, really good ABs back to back to back. Um, yeah. And and then you give the ball over to Gervais, and from that arm slot with his velo and and, and his plethora of pitches, I mean, it's uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, repertoire that he has right there, and and you saw that kind of all gel at one time. It'll be so interesting with this. Uh... Uh, turnaround. Uh, they have a midweek game tomorrow, uh, but then they've got to go to Arkansas, and Arkansas lost two out of three against Florida after winning the opener. Florida came back and won the next two, and Arkansas's come back. So it's um, but Alabama won their series. Auburn won their series. All these teams were four and five going into this weekend and all came out seven and five. So LSU, Auburn, Alabama, all sweep their series. Um, and so it's it, the, the SC West is, is, is really, really going to come down to the last weekend. The SEC East is over. I mean, uh, Tennessee's ridiculous. They're ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, had the pleasure of watching them play, uh, two of their games this weekend. And, um, and they they look like a buzzsaw right now, offensively and uh, you know pitching and defensively. Yep. They they uh, they got the guys that can throw it hard. They got the guys that can throw strikes. They got the hitters that can hit for average, and they got a bunch of them that can hit for power. And when you when you put those all together, including the defensive um, the de- defensive positivities that they <laughs> that they're showing right now, um, you know it's, it 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 makes for a very very dangerous team and. And you know, I think I think that they're playing as good as they can play right now. I don't know how um, yeah. how how can they, they can up? sustain it, right? Um, but you know, going back to LSU, I mean, yeah, we we're right right there in the thick of things. It's looking yep. like it's going to probably go down to the wire again. But um, you know, it's going to be a hostile environment in Arkansas this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but it looks like that we uh, you know we play better on the road than we do at home. 
I, uh, I was just so going to ask you I, that. At least there's some positives there. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. It, it seems that that is the case. They play Lamar tomorrow, uh, 6.30. Then they'll hop on the bus or on a plane, and they'll fly to – they'll get to Fayetteville, Arkansas, Thursday at 6.30, uh, Friday at 6, Saturday at 2 o'clock. Everybody will be back for Easter Sunday uh, and take a break, I hope, for, for a minute. You, you said LSU is own Mississippi State. Why is that? Why is that? Well, I think it goes – I think it goes back to uh, the history of both programs. Um, you know, whenever I was there, we were playing Cohen's team, and then all of a sudden we're playing yep. Andy's team. Uh, there was a pretty strong dislike between, um, well, obviously fan bases, but, right. you know, between players and coaches, just the programs in general. Um, and so you kind of get extra fire in your belly when you do, when you, when you do that. And, and with them – you know, becoming a little bit more successful in the last, you know, five to ten years, um, I think it's kind of reignited that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of the times we go into those series with a challenge. Uh, We Our team is challenged. I remember we went there and we had to win a certain amount of games uh, to win the SEC West outright. I think it may have been the SEC overall. So, like, we went there and we swept them. Just absolutely dominated them. And you know, we answered that call. And I think you saw a little bit of it this weekend, too. That team kind of had their backs up against the wall, had a challenge, and uh, they stepped up and answered the call there. I'm with you. How do you feel about this uh, this pitching staff? Hilliard gets the start um, on Friday. Blake Money comes in on uh, Saturday and gives you six innings, gave up three runs, two earned, five strikeouts, one walk. I mean, that's in four innings pitched. Any reason why you think only four innings? Was it was the pitch count up, or was he just in a uh, in a jam there? I don't I don't I don't recall. Yeah, I, I, you know, it It kind of was, I guess, a, a multitude of factors, if I had to guess. The pitch count was nothing outrageous. Um, I think we just kind of got into kind of a chippy situation there. And with them seeing the lineup, seeing money a couple times, or, you know, they, okay. they kind of just decided to go in opposite direction to kind of seize the momentum and not let the game go the opposite direction. So um, I think that's really what played a large part into it. And look, I think, I think I can kind of speak for, for everybody in Tiger Nation, but um, right now I'm not questioning anything with the pitching. Uh, The pitching has been fantastic the last couple of weeks. So, you know, whatever they're doing, they need to keep doing it. Grant Taylor's certainly pretty good. I didn't know who Samuel Dutton was. That's the first time I've heard of him. He got the start on Sunday, but then uh, came in three innings, only gave up a run. Uh, Grant Taylor comes in there, does a job. He's the one that gets the win. But, you know, when you're when you're producing offensively like LSU did, um, that, that, always, uh, that always helps with five runs in the fifth and four runs in the eighth. Anyway, it seems like – you know, it's it's a slow process, but it's it seems like momentum is being gathered and gained, and um, you know, it, we just have to wait and see how it plays out, right? Yeah, I mean, I, look, you can ride the momentum definitely from this weekend going into or this past weekend going into uh, this upcoming weekend, 
And, uh, you know, you just build upon it. That's really what the season is about. It's not a, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. It's really how can you build upon things consistently throughout the season to get better and better and to really peak when the time is right, which is uh, going into the postseason. You know, I think that was one of the good things uh, that Coach Maneri really harped upon. And and I think that's why you saw his teams – um, really start to peak towards the latter part of the season and really mm-hmm. perform well uh, in postseason play. So that's what the goal is. And, uh, you know, hopefully here in the next couple of weekends, we kind of see the team continue to build upon each weekend and get better and better and make their strides. Early prognosticators coming out with with 10 SEC teams making the NCAA tournament. 10. That, that's, that's crazy how good the league is. Chris Reed, uh, always great talking with you, man. Your knowledge is well appreciated. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll do it again soon, my friend. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for having me on. You're the best. Chris Reed, kind enough to join us here on the Jordy Hultberg Show, um, where the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard Seafood Patio is some of the best boiled crawfish, but also serves up boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood, burgers, steaks, poor boys, and a seafood buffet. So go sign up for the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, it'll be Glenn West. John Emery seems to be the man with the ball in his hands, and we'll find out what uh, Brian Kelly thinks of his quarterbacks and what he plans to do for from now till the spring game. That's coming your way next. The Jordy Helpert Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Uh, we are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? We just wash the hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time, and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back 37 minutes after the hour. Time to talk about a little LSU spring football brought to you by Eon. Smarter body contouring. The first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. Just Google Eon, E-O-N, for all the details. All the details as we're about halfway through Brian Kelly's first spring session as the Tigers head coach. Glenn West, LSU country, kind enough to share his insight on what he has seen and what he has heard today. Glenn, good afternoon, man. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Jordy. How about yourself? I am terrific. So, um, Let's see. A couple of things. We need to talk offensive line. Apparently, there's a freshman that's emerged, and we need to talk about maybe a player who's finally emerged that had so many, so many attributes thrown his way, but it's been a struggle. And I'm talking now, of course, let's start with that. John Emery seems to be the dude now. Yeah, uh, everything we've heard out of fall, out of spring camp and, and just from Brian Kelly and from players' mouths, people around the program, 
Um, they, they, they're very high on John Emery and they, they, you know, they've really seen kind of a change of the guard for him. You know, he was somebody obviously that missed last year. He was academically ineligible. And I think there was a lot of just um, uncertainty around what his future was going to hold here um, when Brian Kelly was brought in. And uh, even Brian Kelly himself kind of told us the media that he was kind of uh, uncertain about what Emery's future would be here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's seen him really just kind of re-engage with the program. He's obviously uh, really focused on his studies right now. Um, but more importantly, or uh, as as importantly, I should say, he's out there on the field and he's doing some some really good things for him. And I think that, uh, you know, kind of the scuttlebutt last year out of camp was that, you know, they, they, they thought Emory was, you know, in line to really break out last season. And mm-hmm. he just never had that opportunity. So if you're able to add – that piece in with this offense, um, it, it has a chance to be really, really, uh, really explosive next yeah. year. I, I got to be honest with you, I thought John Emery was gone. I thought he was yeah. out of the picture. Um, to his credit, he stayed. He's got his academics in order, and apparently he's focusing on those football academics in whatever order you want to put it, and it's taken a lot of uh, his mind off of other things. I, I think that's called maturity, Glenn. And, Absolutely. Uh, and that's yeah. about time. All right, so we've got a mature running back. We seem to have an offensive lineman who's much more mature than his years uh, seem to indicate, and that's Will Campbell, uh, the freshman out of North Louisiana. Um inserting him it seems like all the dominoes are falling into place explain to me yeah a lot of great things we're hearing about will campbell obviously he was a guy that came in he's very highly touted true freshman uh enrolled early with the program this spring to get kind of that jump start on his career and he's really taken the last couple months to to kind of work on his body uh you know he he kind of had the feel of a guy that might need a year to kind of get that that body right before he was ready to start you know playing in sec games but um, really from the first practice that we were able to see as a media, you can tell how much he's been in the workout room, how much he's how much he's improved in that area. He's up to about 310, 315 pounds. Wow. Um, they, they, and and the, the maturity thing is the is the aspect, I think, that has really kind of shown and really grown over the last couple of weeks of spring practice. You know, Brian Kelly talked about it with us on Saturday, just how mature he is, how uh, how how impressive of a young man he is already. Uh, at that left tackle spot and it's and you're right it's really opened up a lot along the offensive line it's kind of given a little more clarity to some more positions because they were kind of moving guys around the first couple practices not really sure where players were going to stick but uh, you pretty much got Cam Wire and Marcus Dumerville handling the right tackle spot Uh, you've had Charles Turner pretty consistently at that that center rotation Um, you've had Cardell Thomas working at guard you've had Miles Frazier, the freshman All-American, working at guard and tackle. So they, they're, they're, they're starting to figure some things out. I think Kelly was a little bit more optimistic about this group um, you know, over the weekend than he was prior to this uh, last couple of practices. So it all starts with what they've done with uh, Will Campbell, though. He's really showed out for him. Does that alter their thought process about the transfer portal? Here we are on the 11th of April. We've got May 1st, May 2nd, either. I can't remember exactly what day it is. For You have to, in, in the portal, decide where you're going to go to school. So at that deadline, you got to get in there so you can play right away. There's a couple of kids from Georgia that are in the portal now. There's a kid from Vanderbilt in the portal. Does this change or alter LSU's thought process? 
It very well could. I mean, I, I still think O-line is definitely a, a priority position for them. They have a couple spots left, but I do think that there are some other areas of need here that might usurp O-line. Obviously, you look at tight end there. I don't think they're very comfortable with where the tight end rotation is right now, and that's something yeah. they're going to look at in, in the portal as well. And then cornerback, I mean, they, 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 you know, they, they've yeah. gone after a lot of the guys. Uh, they obviously brought in a, a whole hoist of transfers and you know, kind of the recent news out of the camp is uh, Jarek Bernard Converse, one of their big big signees uh, over the over the break, was uh, had Jones fracture in his foot and he's going to miss all the spring. Oh, no. uh, is that what he, uh, is that what Stingley had? Uh, no, Stingley's was uh, a Liz Frank injury. Oh, okay, uh, so I it's it a little bit a little bit different. I think okay. it's just a different part of the foot. So, okay. uh, but they do expect um, uh, Bernard Converse to be back with them during the summer. So. Um, they do think that they're going to get him back, but I mean, it just shows you uh, after him, there's, there's not a whole lot of depth at that cornerback room. And so that, that will certainly be a think a position that they want to attack. But uh, obviously if they have a chance to land an elite offensive lineman, I think they'll jump at right. the chance. Okay. Glenn West, LSU country. All right. All the talk is about quarterbacks. And look, and, and through the first practices, I heard Brian Kelly say, look, we're, we're teaching how preparation and how we want to practice, yeah. um, sprinting to drills and all this kind of stuff. And I'm, but now it seems like they're going to start trying to see who who are the Jimmies and who are the Joes. And yeah. uh, with the quarterbacks, he talked about putting them now in more pressurized situations. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so there, there was a period that we got to see, a couple periods we got to see at the end of practice on Saturday, uh, you know, second and one, third and one, short situations, red zone situations, just kind of higher intensity, I think, situations just to see how the quarterbacks responded in those different uh, those different scenarios. And, uh, okay. you know, that I think that they, 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 they got a little bit of what they wanted out of it. The part that we were able to see as a media, uh, we saw Jaden Daniels, uh, we got to see uh, a little bit of Walker Howard um, on, on during that session on Saturday. And, um, you know, look, I think Jaden Daniels is a guy who they really rely on with the RPO. Um, but there, there's still some work there, I think, in terms of just hitting the, you know, the accurate balls, you know, the intermediate, the short routes. Uh, that's something they're still really much still very much working on with him. Um, and then also, you know, with 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 a guy like, you know, Miles Brennan, he's he's kind of the, the pocket guy. You know, he's the guy you're kind of looking at to make those throws. And I think he's been really impressive so far the first couple of weeks. And they're going to start shifting, uh, shifting gears here to try to figure out what it is that these quarterbacks do really well. Um, got to right. go in on the details for them. And uh, I think it's going to you're going to see a real difference here in the next six or seven practices. Glenn, does it seem that they have to make a decision one on who is the best quarterback. And then two, they're going to have to tailor make an offense that, that suits him. What the offense that suits miles Brennan is not the offense that suits Jaden Daniels. So that's a big dilemma there. Yeah. Those are, those are going to be some tough calls they are going to have to make over the next couple of weeks. And obviously the decision you make could affect which one of these guys you have going into right. the fall and, uh, and and do you get both of those veteran guys back in the fall to continue this competition? That's a very, very good point and a very good question that I think still remains very much up in the air. Um, I, I do think that they're, 
are aspects of Brennan and Daniels that are that are very different, but also can be similar. I think Brennan has shown uh, in the past that he can be a little bit mobile, but he's a guy that you're going to probably obviously want to keep in the pocket a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. than a guy like Daniels, who you really expect to stretch plays and everything like that. So I think we're going to get into a little bit more of the details, a little bit more of the nuances of what makes each one of these guys you know, really good in the offense, and that's something we'll see here over the next couple of weeks. Maybe Brian Kelly's gone and talked to Sean Payton and uh, maybe Jaden Daniels becomes the Taysom Hill, you know, the running guy. Uh, who knows, right? Who <laughs> you knows? never know. You never know. I, I, that could certainly be a, something that they, they throw in there. But I also think that it would be kind of naive to think you have both of those guys to run out there. <laughs> On, on the opening uh, opening game. so I heard uh, Walker Howard ended practice with a uh, nice little uh, touchdown throw. Looked like he was back at, at Cougar land. Yeah, he's going to be special. He's, he, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a guy that you're going to rely on to start 10, 11 games next year as a true freshman. But um, the potential's there. The talent's there. We've seen it in every practice. And I think, you know, they're growing more and more comfortable with him. You know, he was coming off a little bit of an injury. Uh, obviously, to end his senior year, he had the he had the broken you know broken leg in the middle of his season, and then he also has uh, had a thumb injury that he was coming back from before spring practice started. So he really looks like he's starting to get comfortable and uh, starting to learn the offense. And he had a, just a beautiful throw to Kyron Lacey, the ULL transfer, yeah. on Saturday to end practice, and that was kind of the the last play of the game that they capped it on. So it was a good one to to live to live to live, uh, leave with. Uh, Glenn West, LSU country. I got to ask you again, the offensive line, uh, you mentioned the center position. Is there competition there? Or do you think that that thing has been solidified or because I heard Austin Deculus was was a possibility. I, I guess they're still moving people left and right and upside down and inside out. Yeah, well, Deculus is away from the program. Obviously, he's at off. I mean, not Deculus, yeah. Dellinger. 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 Yeah. yeah, yeah, Dellinger is a guy that they're going to use. Um, he's he's still fighting back from an injury as well. But they like Charles Turner. We got a chance to talk to Charles Turner and on Saturday, and he's the guy that really you know feels comfortable at that spot. He's obviously a veteran. He's played all over the offensive line and kind of has that experience of of being able to know what each position on the O line is supposed to be doing, and so. That's the kind of leader you kind of want in the middle of the O line there, uh, snapping the ball to the to the to the quarterback. I think they're going to obviously trot Dellinger out there when he's uh, healthy. They're going to try to find a spot for him. Uh, Traymon Shorts is another guy, a transfer who they've been working in at guard. Could obviously see him uh, get er, continue to earn some snaps. And uh, you know, you know, there's a handful of about five or six players that Brad Davis told us about before spring practice started that they were getting repped at center for and. Uh, I would imagine that the, a couple of those guys certainly will continue to get reps behind Charles Turner, but he's a, he's as good a bet as any right now to win that job uh, heading into fall. If you had to bet your, uh, you know, like a Diet Coke or whatever it is that you like, if, if the if the best 11 offensive players went head up against the best 11 defensive players, who would you who would you bet on to win? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would say just because there's so much uncertainty right now in the secondary, I have a feeling this wide receiver core would be able to to, to eat them up a little bit. Um, I, I do think that the, the from what we've seen out of the offense, they've been moving the ball really well. Uh, they're they're not, they're taking the intermediate and short routes. They're taking the chunk yardage, uh, and, and they've been moving the ball pretty well in the in the couple of practices we've been able to see. 
Um, the defense has been really physical, really tough, but there's still with just so much change that's coming on that on that back half in particular. There's still some stuff they're working through. So um, it, at their best, and I think at, at both teams at their best, you know, I think uh, it'll be it'll be tight. But I think the offense is looking really okay. really good right now. With with Kayshawn out, um, opportunities for others. Who have yeah. you heard? Who have you heard is like like he's like the Michael Thomas, right, of the Saints. You yeah. know, he's going to get in there, and that's where the ball's going to go. But gives an opportunity for others to step up. Who have you heard has really taken the mantle or seized it? Yeah, so obviously Jack Besh is a guy that they're very high on. He's getting a lot of work in the slot. I think he's a guy that you're going to see get a lot of opportunities next year as well. Um, Malik Neighbors is a guy who I think is really going to really explode next year. They really like Malik Neighbors. They like Brian Thomas. They like uh, Chris Hilton is a guy who kind of got an opportunity late last season and um, in the in the bowl game, and he 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 is just an electric athlete. I think they want to try to find a way to get him on the field as much as possible. So a lot of these rising sophomores, I think, are guys that you're going to see really explode next year. It's kind of hard to pick, you know, really just one or two right now because they all seem to be doing really well. Is that a position you're fearful of of um, tra- portal? I mean, that's all you, you rattled off a whole bunch yeah. of things. I mean, it, it, I, I wouldn't say it's a it's a position right now where you should be fearful of any guy leaving. I do think that all these guys are getting a lot of opportunities. And I think that's, you know, in, you know, intriguing for a lot of these guys, um, you know, come fall, maybe you, you get a name that kind of falls a little bit further in the depth chart. But they lost a lot of receivers, you know, this offseason. Um, yeah through the portal. And so yeah. I think that's also an opportunity for a lot of those guys that were you know, lower on the depth chart to, to kind of make their case. So it'll be interesting for sure. One quick one. Any, any word on basketball players? Have we heard anything? I mean, anything happened? We had, we had probably the first week of just like a little bit of quiet news around yes. the program last week. I would imagine it picks up again really Ooh. soon. Uh, there's some, uh, there's some guys, NC state transfers they're looking at. There's a, uh, a lot of guys are pursuing, but you know we'll see who they actually hit on. That's pressure. You don't have enough people to go f- three on three, four on yeah. four, much less five on five. That's a lot of pressure to get players. Yeah, and look, they're bringing back Tasman Mitchell, and I did talk yeah. about this with a couple of reporters today that we were at baseball and we were just kind of shooting the shooting the ball a little bit. Yeah. And I think uh, you know the the impact that Tasman has on coming back to the program. Maybe you can convince one or two of those portal guys to come back and okay. um uh, but obviously they, they have a lot of work to do but they have a re- some really really good recruiters on this staff that's yeah. the one thing that we did say is that they're okay. they're they're pretty stacked with the recruiting right now and tasman going into the lhsaa hall of fame so congratulations to him on that denim springs uh high school they have pretty good ones uh ben mcdonald and tasman mix that's pretty good lsu pipeline there so Glenn west uh yeah. you're busy and uh i greatly appreciate the time man you're always looking good looking sharp that hair is always perfectly combed oh thank you thank always. you i try my best man, i let it get I'm too jealous. long sometimes but it's it's, it's shut, still, just it's stop it don't talk about that to me don't <laughs> okay. talk about that gotcha. thank you man have a great right. week thanks right, buddy happy easter to you man That's uh it. that is glenn west lsu country brought to you by eon smarter body contouring eon was inspired by one woman and her team of robotics engineers who looked around and witnessed a plethora of devices that they just weren't getting the job done they they weren't 
reducing fat. They were pulling, pinching, sucking, freezing, strapping the patient down. They knew they could do something better, and boy, they did it. Eon is more effective. Eon is more efficient. Eon is more comfortable. You don't feel a thing under than a cool breeze on the target areas. You exercise, you work out, you try and do all the things you can, and those troublesome areas, they just don't go away. They'll go away permanently now with Eon, the first robotic touchless laser body contouring device for non-invasive permanent fat loss. Go to Eon, E-O-N of Lafayette for all the details. Schedule a free consultation and let it go to work for you. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next. We are back. The Greater Acadiana Heart Walk will take place on Saturday, April 30th at River Ranch. The festivities begin at 8 a.m. The non-competitive walk begins at 9.15 a.m. For more information, visit greateracadianawalk.org or contact Donna Ashcraft at donna.ashcraft at heart.org. Coming up, hour number two, we'll talk Pelicans play-in game with Ali Cassell. We'll get the latest on the spring game for the Raging Cajuns with Karaski Melvin. And we'll talk all things Tigers with Blake Graffino. That's all coming your way. Hour number two, the Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to win. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. It's our number two of two on this Monday, April the 11th. Uh, James Mesh's birthday, my producer extraordinaire inside the, the master control suite of the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 Lake Charles, and it's great to be with you. It's great to be Scotty Scheffler, who's won nearly $10 million already this year with four tournaments, including yesterday's Masters win by three strokes. Scotty, the number one ranked player in the world, just taking off and doing what he needs to do. And the New Orleans Pelicans did what they needed to do, despite despite losing their last two once they secured that home playoff or play-in game. It was kind of like ease off the pedal. Um, and now we await Wednesday night with uh, with all the pressure in the world, one game, winner take all to survive and advance. It's like the NCAA tournament with uh, the best athletes in the world, NBA players. And that's where we begin our number two with our good friend from At The Bird writes, Ali Cassell. Ali, happy Monday, man. How are you? I'm doing great, Jordy, and happy Monday to you too. Thank you, um, man. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on this parade, but as I don't know what the highest scoring total for one quarter is, but Memphis had to be close. They they scored 55 points in the third quarter against the Pels. What the heck was that? That looked like a championship caliber team to me. I'll be honest man. with you. I think we got to just take into context. 
on uh, where each team was individually in that game, right? The Pelicans, yeah, they needed to kind of win because they needed to still secure the playing term. But look, Memphis has just been playing incredible basketball for months. And really, outside of Phoenix, who can you say is better than the Suns? I don't think too many can pick teams over the Grizzlies, right? I mean, they've been winning with or without John Morant. So, yeah, 55 points. No doubt the Pelicans had a little bit of a letdown. But as we know, Jordy, that is that is such an aberration, right? Usually this team right. has shown up this season in games right. they need to win, or just in general, they don't get walloped. And, of course, Memphis just happened to do that that one quarter. Uh, and my producer, James, is so good. He just texted message me, 58 is the record. They were, they were three off. My goodness wow. gracious. <laughs> okay, um, what's the status on, uh, you know, in a, in a one-game winner-take-all, it's all hands on deck. Brandon Ingram's got to be ready to go, right? Yeah. From our understanding is, and talking to Willie Green and people behind the scenes, there's a full expectation that he's going to be available and he'll play in that game for sure. All right. Uh, the Pels and the Spurs have met four times during the regular season, um, and they've never had the lineup of C.J. McCollum, Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Jackson Hayes, and Jonas Valanciunas at center. They've never – they didn't use that. They've never had that. So it's kind of to their advantage, scouting report-wise, um, against the Spurs. Yes, exactly. And that's important because that's – starting lineup is really darn good. And I want to say they've only played together about 10 times this year, have about a 7-3 and three record when they've all started. Um, and when they've been together, you have two dynamite scores, right, CJ and B.I. Plus you've got Herb Jones defensively, but also Jackson. He's usually been pretty good. He's kind of replaced that Josh Hart cog that left for Portland in the trade to where you can have somebody backing up basically uh, Herb Jones out there. So Jackson does it with his wingspan. He does a great job of contesting guys on the perimeter. And now he's flying in and grabbing all sorts of rebounds, giving Jonas a hand. So I just like the way that group works. But unfortunately, yeah. we haven't seen too much of them, right? I no. want to say that CJ got here on February 10th, and they played 24 games uh, with him. But like I said, that starting lineup's only been together 10 times. So it's going to be a big deal when they can all step out on the court on Wednesday. Uh, the winner of Wednesday's game advances in the play-in tournament and will meet the loser of the Minnesota Timberwolves-Los Angeles Clippers matchup, and that game will take place on Friday. The loser of Wednesday night game, well, it's over. It's done. So um, what is it about the San Antonio? We've talked about it a little bit before, but now as we get a little bit more specific, um, the Spurs have um, been an eyesore for uh, New Orleans and, and NBA basketball for quite some some time now what is, i know greg popovich is an outstanding coach but the players have to make plays um dejounte murray's their best player what do you like about dejounte murray oh he's dynamite i mean staying in front of him one-on-one is almost impossible i mean he, i've seen him burn drew holiday to now the pelicans best defender in herb jones and yeah, he, he provides a heck of a challenge because he's a walking triple-double on any given night because not only can he get past his man, get to the rim, um, he can also make plays for others, right? I, we've seen it yeah. countless times here against New Orleans alone where he then makes the drive and he kicks it out to an open three, and the Spurs are a pretty good shooting three-point shooting team. They don't beat themselves, so they're a fundamentally kind of sound team that's kind of built around one very good player in Murray. 
And you've got to be on your game to beat them, right? That's why the Pelicans went one and three. They played exceptionally well in that victory, but then they didn't play well in the other three games. And you can't skirt by that team because usually they bring it, right? As to where we've yeah. applauded New Orleans for their effort, basically game in, game out. San Antonio has always played to that standard under Coach Pop. So they're going to have to beat that along with Coach Pop. So they, like, like I said, they're going to have to play well to beat a very good, fundamentally sound team. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, Murray's, uh, he's like the master of the mid-range game. So maybe you play off, maybe you, um, you, you make him shoot a little bit from, from downtown, which is, I think is exactly what Pop is going to do. I think they're going to focus on McCollum. They should. They're going to focus on Ingram, and they're going to dare Herb. Uh, they're going to dare uh, Jackson to shoot the basketball. That, that's what I think the the, mm-hmm. the, the mission statement is going to be for San Antonio. Line up, gear up on the two focal point scores, and make the other ones beat you. I couldn't agree more. I think we saw that exact game plan carried out to perfection by the Clippers when the Pelicans lost by about 20 points or so not that mm-hmm. long ago. And that's exactly what Ty Lue did. He had Brandon Ingram, CJ, getting picked up full court. And when they were getting close to the three-point arc, they saw a lot of doubles, right? Or at least mm-hmm. multiple sets of eyes to where they just couldn't get that space they'd been used to uh, running because the Clippers, they completely left alone Jackson Hayes or would even have just a small guy in Jonas Valanciunas. They were just daring for somebody else to beat them. And the Pelicans didn't do, do a good job so of overcoming that. So they've got to figure that out. But I'm glad they went through that loss because they know. Right. Now they know what to look for yeah. and what their weaknesses are and what other teams are going to try and exploit them in. And I've got to think that, you know, Willie Green's going to draw something up to where he's going to be making sure that, one, CJ and Brandon know what to expect is coming, but also to figure out a way to get around it, but also to get the other guys in good position to where they can burn, right, the Spurs, the opposition uh, for, for scores. Because that's what it's going to take. You can't be playing four on five and letting right. an opponent get away with just completely ignoring a man. So I would expect Jackson to be on the move a lot more, right, on a lot okay. more cuts, and not just standing on a three-point line. Because even though he can make a shot, we've seen it, teams will let him shoot one or two because they'll know Whoa. he's not going to shoot All 10 night. and beat you for like seven, eight makes or something like that. All night. Pels aren't a good three-point shooting team. They finished the regular season ranked 24th in three-point attempts and 27th in three-point percentage. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. Who do you have the most confidence in coming off the bench as a scorer? Mm. I wish I could say Devontae Graham, but boy, is he hit or miss. I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say Jose Alvarado. I feel like he can get his shot. He can get up to the rim at almost any time. While he's not a knockdown shooter, you, you still feel like he can get in close enough that he'll make that floater or something like that. Because, you know, I, I wish it was Trey Murphy, right? Because, boy, the Pelicans could use a good hot shooting um, perimeter game from somebody like him or, like yeah. I said, Devontae Graham, maybe even Najee Marshall. But, yeah, that's a tough one because that's something that's been a long weakness for the Pelicans. That's why I really wish Zion could have come back. Right, whether right. he's coming off the bench or not, at least the Pelicans would have had another score to add some more balance to the lineups, especially off the bench. 
That's the key. Can they find somebody? Can they can they find somebody to get hot at the right time? Um, and then if you do now with three scores, you can't double team McCullum and Ingram all the time. You just can't do it. And then they can go to work. I, I would expect Valanchunas has to be big in this mm-hmm. thing as well. Like he's got to become a, a threat on the inside and then man to man coverage there. He's got to he's got to dominate whoever guards him. Yeah, Pirtle's no easy task because he's one of the better, right, defenders yeah. at the center position in the NBA. So Valanciunas, yeah, he's going to have to get off and, and, and make the Spurs acknowledge his presence and not like the Clippers who were guarding him with either the tomb or some other wing that was much smaller than him get away with it. So they can't have Kelton Johnson or any of the other Spurs wings like Devin Vassell get away with guarding Valanciunas. He's got to punish him, get him to take him to the free-throw line or just beat the heck out of him on the, on the glass. Because that's yeah. where the Pelicans really do well, right? If they're not on transition, well, the next best thing they do is when they miss, they grab those offensive rebounds for putbacks. So they're going to have to be strong in that area, and Valanciunas has to lead that way. He is Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights, LSU, San, uh, LSU, <laughs> the, the Pelicans <laughs> in San Antonio, 8.30 p.m. Wednesday night. It's part of a doubleheader. The first game will be Charlotte and Atlanta, the play-in from the Eastern Conference. The big news today, and I just want your opinion on it, the Lakers fired their coach, Frank Vogel, after that 33-49 season. Is Vogel the scapegoat of this? Did he, did he deserve to be fired? He absolutely didn't deserve it. He was given a roster that was awful. Let, let's be yeah. honest. The front office ownership, they traded for Russell Westbrook, a bad-fitting piece alongside Anthony Davis and LeBron. And by adding that massive contract, they had to get away with send out all the rest of their salaries, which were great serviceable players that helped the Pelicans win that bubble championship. So, no, Coach Vogel was put in as a total scapegoat. And, and it's ludicrous, right? Jordy, that he was fired before they even talked to him about it. You know, it got out in the media that he was going to be losing his job. They could have at least had the decency to tell him first. So it goes to show you, honestly, to me, what an organization, what a mess they are as, you know, as yeah. a franchise, honestly. L.A. is not what they used to be. And I, I know I've been watching this uh, HBO series on the Lakers winning time, and I, Magic Johnson, who I played against in college, uh, when he first got in the league, he's being approached by all these shoe deals, and he turned Phil Knight and Nike down because Phil didn't have any money. He said, I'll just give you stock. And Magic didn't know what stock was. Well, he turned down that stock deal that cost him over six hundred million dollars magic my goodness he got about eighty five thousand to sign with converse wow how about that wow i haven't gotten that far along in that series yet to see that detail but that's incredible but i'll tell you what magic isn't hurting right he's made money elsewhere to where he doesn't have to worry about a penny the rest of his life Poor Phil Knight didn't have anything to give him, but stock options and not and magic. And, I didn't know what stock was, man. I'm from I'm from Michigan. I didn't know anything. Uh, amazing, uh, amazing. It's fun. All right, Ollie, get your popcorn ready. You'll, you'll be in attendance. You'll be there in that number, man. If they don't pack this place for this game, then there's no hope for us. But they will. They will. It'll be a packed Smoothie King Center. Um, I guess I, I think it's our time. I think we're going to do it. If we win, then we have to go on the road, correct? Exactly. Yeah, there's no way of avoiding that. And, boy, you don't want to face either team, right? The Timberwolves yeah. in Minnesota or the Clippers in Los Angeles. It'll be two 
two tough ones if they get past the Spurs. If you pick your poison, who do you? If you had to pick one that you you feel like you might have a shot against, who would it be? You know, I'd probably say Minnesota. Even though the Pelicans, Ooh. what they won three or four against these Clippers, they've got Paul George back. They've got Ty Lue, who I think is one of the best coaches, especially yeah. at adjustments, okay. and we saw it in the last matchup. So I'd rather take my chances with a nervous Minnesota Timberwolves team that has not been there, who also has a very young coach, and you would just hope that maybe you could punch them in the mouth, especially defensively, and knock okay. them, knock, basically make them lose their focus, right? I don't think yeah. you can do that to the Clippers. All right, let's get the first one. Let's get Wednesday, and then we'll worry about that later. Ali Cassell at the Bird Right. You're the best, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely, Jordy. I hope we're talking about a Pelicans win and that playing soon. Well, I tell you what, when they do, we will. How about that? Sounds good. All right, man. You take care. Uh, Ali Cassell Thanks, at the Bird Rights. The Hangout Music Festival is returning this summer to Gulf Shores in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your tickets to this epic weekend of music. You can score VIP passes by becoming a member of the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Don't miss it. That's Hangout Music Fest, May 20th to the 22nd in Gulf Shores. Win VIP passes from the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. LSU has yet to play their spring game but coach des and the raging cajuns had theirs on saturday we'll get a full report from the newest member of the team karaski melvin joins us next from klfy sports stick around the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history April 11th, 1963. Milwaukee Braves pitcher and future baseball Hall of Famer Warren Spahn beats the New York Mets 6-1 for his 328th win. The win sets a new record for the most wins by a left-hander in MLB history. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Right, welcome back. The NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get ready for all the action by betting the play-in tournament with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet on NBA hoops with same-game parlays. Plus, each day of the play-in, get a risk-free bet up to $10 if your same-game parlay doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use promo code 1037 game bet five dollars on any nba team to win their game during the play-in tournament and get 150 dollars in free bets instantly that's promo code 1037 game at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba must be 20 or older physically present in louisiana availability varies by parish eligibility restrictions apply minimum five dollar deposit see draftkings.com sportsbook for full terms and conditions licensee partner golden nugget lake charles gambling problem Call 1-877-770-STOP. That's 1-877-770-7867. Officially a part of the KLFY team, we welcome in Karaski Melvin as um, our new one of our new Raging Cajun analysts. Uh, Karaski, thanks for the time, man. How are you? I am good. I do appreciate the little extra English you put on my name. Um, it does a little more than Karaski. 
I, I like a little edge to it, but I appreciate it, and uh, I'm glad to be here. Give me a little background. Where have you come from, and uh, how do you like your new gig? Well, um, I was I was originally from Mamou, Louisiana. I was actually there in high school when the Demons actually went uh, had an undefeated season, which okay. was playoffs. So those were some fun times. Um, went to school at Northwestern State uh, right. with Demons with the with another set of Demons. Uh, been at KLFY for uh, about six years now. I've been working behind the scenes, and so I've been blessed to have this opportunity here to. Uh, to record Cajuns in all sports across Acadiana, including this weekend's Vermilion and White game. Okay, 63-45, the red team um, is the winner. I mean, 63-45, I guess they gave a lot of points for everything, right? Good running play, good a sack. Uh, what, what was your biggest takeaway from the scrimmage, from the spring game? Well, let's first mention about the scoring system. This is something that was by design by Coach Dez. He he mentioned that he wanted every play to have stakes. Every play needed to mean something. So a defensive play can equal points as well as an explosive play, not necessarily a touchdown, but everything had some kind of value. And also along with this, like this, there was a lot of energy in this game. Ben Waldridge, who who at quarterback scored twice on the ground with his leg as he crossed the, as he crossed the goal line the team everyone together they're hooping they're excited it is just everyone is just fully charged you can even feel that with the situational drills even as you know during the one on one drills everyone is really into it um, okay. also with that John Stevens made a pretty had the only the only receiving touchdown of the game. And it was a pretty, and it was a dandy from Chandler Field. And honestly, it, you know, this team was looking pretty good, both both sides. Um, when Coach Deggs, uh, Dez, rather, Coach Dez talked about it, like, we are pleased, but we can do more. We can right. do better. And I think that's one of the things that stuck out to me. He's like, while he, while he was satisfied with what the effort was, said more could be done as we get closer to fall. So, I think the fact that the team is moving forward in the right direction. Remember, when they when they go in the fall and they play their first game, they will be again with 13 consecutive wins. The last time they lost, of course, September 4th at Texas. So, continuing to keep the train rolling—that's something definitely I noticed on the team. All right. Karaski, Melvin, I like saying that. I like saying that. So I don't think you can make a decision on who the starting quarterback is going to be at this point in time. Do you believe it is a two-horse race between uh, Ben Woolridge and Chandler Fields, or do you think there's somebody else that uh, maybe crept up into that race? I think for right, I think for right now it show it it shows Woolridge and Fields kind of in that as in a bit of a one-two. However, we are still pretty early between now and the fall. So as things develop, we could we could see other quarterbacks getting in there. But I definitely would say it was those two. And definitely Woldridge definitely in his drives when he was doing the the red zone drills definitely saw definitely saw a good bit from him, especially taking the opportunities that he had with the offensive line and seeing the lanes he had to make his dashes in for those two touchdown drives. I've got to believe with um, 
with playing so many quarterbacks, having some 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 losses on the offensive side, I've got to believe the defense uh, was the star of the day. How did the defense look? Oh, the defense the defense was good. They they were hitting. Tyree Skipper had six tackles. He had one for a loss. And one of the things that was mentioned by Patrick Mensa is talking about there is a standard, a defensive standard, and they it's not only in practice, it's during the game. They want to emphasize that, that they're going to go in there full speed ahead. They're going to take it one play at a time, but they have that set. They have that standard on defense, and they plan to carry that out. And that certainly was noticed during that game. I heard one name that uh, that people were very high on. He's a uh, a redshirt freshman, outside linebacker Cameron Whitfield. I think he had a sack in the in the spring game. But they really, really like this kid. Oh yeah, de- oh yeah, definitely. Again, show again, definitely showing showing out. And that's one of the things for this spring games is giving giving people the opportunity to really get their names out there to really show something to the coaching staff of the ability in the hopes to get more opportunities and perhaps even bigger opportunities and more chances. Okay. Um, what did you think of the approach coach Des has taken, um, you know, stepping out of the shadows of, of Billy Napier, who's now at Florida. How, how did, how did everything seem to run? How smooth was it? It was a fair, it was, it was fairly smooth. Indeed. I'll, I'll be honest. This is my second Spring game, so the formatting okay. with the scoring definitely was definitely caught me by surprise. However, it ran fine, and Coach Des had mentioned like as far as things going through this spring, the structure basically it's in kind of Coach Napier. They're of course adding things to kind of for the team and making tweaks here and there, but like kind of that base structure is him. He um, co- the coach thanked you know Coach said that Napier learning under him that was invaluable. He also was appreciative of the staff that's with him that yeah. helped him kind of kind of go through and manage through this. As he had mentioned, like, it's totally different being the head man on the team. And, yeah, some of the players have known this. Is, uh, it, is a little, it is a little different, but everything, you know, it definitely was a smooth game. Definitely all the, those engagement on the team, the players, and the coaches. So we'll see okay. if that will translate that same energy, that same cohesiveness, Growing into the fall, Karaski. One last, one last one. And when I think of the raging Cajuns on offense, I think of a stable of running backs. I know Chris Smith is missing the entire spring, uh, rehabbing an injury. I know that Kendrell Williams is out for the season. Um, the name I keep hearing about is Jacob. Kibodi, who was the Baton Rouge native, uh, a transfer from Texas A&M. He went to, was a running back, then he went to wide receiver. Now he's back at running back. Um, tell me about the running back position. Well, definitely. Kibodi definitely showed off. He ha- he has 10 carries for 50 yards, so he definitely, you know, he answered the bell. And his thing when he had mentioned this, that, you know, he was trying. He was trying to get that big play, and he was trying to go, try to get a touchdown every time. But he said, like sometimes you got to just get in, get the tough yards, the three yards, the five yard play. He also said, like he believes that if that ball is in his hands, he can make a difference. And at that spring game, he showed what kind of impact he can have when he gets the spotlight shown on him. 
Kaksha. I tell you what, for your first radio appearance, I give you five stars. Kadowski, Melvin, job well done. Let's do it again down the road. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the time. All right, buddy. You take care. Karaski Melvin from KLFY with the very latest on the spring game. Too early to tell uh, on a lot of things, but um, progress being made. Now it's all about the off-season program, and you go from there. The world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo is coming back in the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles has your free tickets. Text Angola, A-N-G-O-L-A to 68683. That's Angola to 68683. The Angola Prison Rodeo returns April 23rd and 24th. You can see all the excitement, bull riding, wild horse racing, and uh, yes, I now know what convict poker is. No thank you. Text Angola to 68683. That's Angola to 68683 to watch the world-famous Angola Prison Rodeo, courtesy of Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a time out here when we come back. Blake Rafina will join us from the Are You Serious podcast, all things LSU, as we are brought to you each and every Monday by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. Their spacious stores, 60 of them filled with Louisiana products, modern restrooms that are impeccably clean and comfortable and delicious food. Always fresh, always fast. Please become a Buku Rewards member. You can save inside the shop and you can also save at the gas pump. Our new Gator Gas program, you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase. Just go to ShopRiteLA.org. ShopRiteLA.com. I'm sorry. ShopRiteLA.com. ShopRiteLA.com and become a Buku Rewards member. It's free. It's easy. It's simple. And it's great. All right. We'll be back. All things LSU. Next, the Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The Jordy Holberg Show prides itself on settling for nothing less than the best. This thing has a variety of nauseating aspects to it. Jordy has the best takes, the best guests, and let's be honest, the best nickname. The Blonde Bomber is cool as hell. I agree. All right. Let's play ball. Back to only the best on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back and better than ever. Time to bring in our good friend from the RU Serious podcast, Mr. Blake Rafino. Happy early Easter, my friend. How are you and the family doing these days? Uh, happy early Easter to you as well. Doing good, my friend. All right. Um, Give me your latest. What, what are you hearing football wise? Um, is this freshman uh, lineman going to be going to be the dude? Will Campbell, you think he's going to be able to hold this up and and be there when it starts playing for for real uh, in the fall? Well, I don't know if he's going to be able to hold it up. I think he's doing some good things in the running game. You know, I, I don't want to overreact to him right. uh, starting in practice just due to the, the nature of that. He still gave up a couple of sacks during practice, um, you know, Jordy, what happens is, is you look at one um, video, or I say you, but you know what I mean. Meaning, right. everybody sees one video and go crazy. Sometimes we say, "Oh, well, he dominated on this, dominated on this play." You know, he's just going to be a starter. Whatever you want to say, um, and we we don't always look at. 
small things like him giving up a pair of sacks in practice uh, against a, an All-American and B.J. Ojolari. Um, so there, I, I would think, Jordy, that there are some things that we would need to we need to temper on. But that being said, though, he's a very talented kid. He's a potential All-American. Um, he's got that type of quality in him. Um, but I'm gonna, I, I'm just gonna hold faith for now. That's good. That's good. And see what we uh, have. I'm with you on that one. Uh, oh, by the way, to, to I just saw this. Uh, Brandon Murray, the freshman basketball player at LSU, entered the transfer portal. He has uh, decided he's taking his talents, as they say, to Georgetown to play for the Hoyers. But back to back to football. I know. Uh, th- uh, is LSU still going to go out there in the portal and look for offensive linemen? I know there's a there's a lineman from Vanderbilt. There's a couple more from Georgia that just entered the portal that had a bunch of stars by their name coming out of high school. Do you mm-hmm. uh, do you envision LSU still hitting the portal? Uh, I could envision them hitting the portal if um, Will Campbell is unable to hold down that left side. Now, if he is. Maybe you can turn your 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 eyes um, somewhere else, um, but I, I still think that they'll entertain it. You know, Jordy. Again, we're going to need to monitor this um, quarterback race the entire way. You know, right. if one, possibly if two goes in the portal, if a, if a starter's named, right? I, you know, just just in case. I mean, and look, I think that they're actually. I have a, under a pretty good authority that they're going to be going after a boundary corner and that that uh, and Savion Banks or Seven Banks, which could be announced within the next couple of days from Ohio State. So okay. um, I think that they're already going to use one of those final three on a boundary corner uh, with Bernard, uh, Jared Bernard Converse going down with a little Jones fracture in his foot. Right. Um, nothing right. too serious. Um, but I think that they're already going to use that on a boundary corner. I, 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 but see, here's the thing, though. Do you go after an offensive lineman if you're going to need another quarterback and you need a tight end? Um, For that alone, I I don't know how they're going to do it, but I think you go tight end number one, and then I I think you might need to hold it until after spring just in case. You can't hold it too long because uh, May 1st or 2nd is the deadline to, uh, to be able to play next year. So it's um, it's uh, a lot of things are going to be happening after this LSU spring game. They're going to have about a week or so to determine uh, everything. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned, and I've said this before, you've got back to the quarterback position. You've got Miles Brennan who does certain things well. He's more of the pocket passer guy. Uh, Jaden Daniels is more of the RPO guy, get out and about. So what do you do with two quarterbacks that are so different? I mean, do you, you got to determine who your guy is going to be and you got or do you how do you how do you deal with that? Well, I think that you deal with that and Brian Kelly said it you know, himself, what quarterback's going to give us the best chance to, to win while we're running right. the RPOs? Now, you know, people say, well, Blake, the quarterback doesn't run when you run RPOs, which just isn't true. Um, you got to have that dynamic. you got to have that exposure to it. Um, I, look, I think that we could ultimately, Jordy, see a two-quarterback system. I know a lot of people don't like that, mm-hmm. um, but I think that you could. I could completely see that you could see a Miles Brennan, Jaden Daniels type of uh, of season here. Um, but look, I, I got to be honest. We saw 
Uh, Miles Brennan have a quote unquote good day in the first big time Saturday scrimmage that Brian Kelly allowed the media to be at. And then all of a sudden here comes Jaden Daniels Saturday, you know, doing some things to the defense that we haven't seen in Baton Rouge maybe ever. Um, really? In the way that he's able to run the football. Um, one big takeaway that I would say though, now that Brad Davis has gotten his time here, uh, Cam Wire moving over to right tackle. The assignments of the offensive line, they were where they needed to be against a really talented defensive line. So um, I, I don't know. I, I think the quarterback battle is, is something that we'll, we won't know, Jordy, until, you know, obviously late August. Um, but I, I think it, based off of what they want to do, I think you have to give the uh, maybe a little bit of an edge to Jaden Daniels. Just because of how much they want to run the RPO game and zone reads, but that doesn't mean that Miles can't do some good right. things and, and win that starting job. Is it a two-horse race? It is a two-horse race, in my opinion. And okay. I, quite honestly, you know, I, I, the biggest thing that's worrying me from all four quarterbacks—maybe not so much Walker Howard necessarily—but um, the thing that's worrying me the most is how many, how many interceptions they're throwing in practice, right? Oh, really? Like, I get it. They're learning a new system. They're learning this. They're learning that. No, I've been around a lot of football. You, good quarterbacks don't throw that many interceptions. Hmm. That's just not how uh, that works. Now, um, it ultimately comes down to a two-quarterback race. I, I just don't know if – you know, maybe Garrett does stay or stick around. Maybe he does. I, I don't know that right now, but I, I don't think that he does. I think that um, one of these guys are going to go, and I yeah. think that he's going to be the odd man out. Um, Jordy, I mean, look, he, he's still turning the football over, and that's okay. just – and you're in practice at this point. So, right. uh, you know, at what point do we sit here and say, like, hey, man, you're going to have to work on protecting the football. Now, he – but the, the crazy thing is, is that it's kind of like two step forwards, one step back with him. He had, he has a lot of good potential. He had a, a really good pass in the end zone that was on the dime to Chris Hilton, the speedy wide receiver. Um, so look, we'll see, but I, I still think it's a, it's a two quarterback race because Garrett Nussmeyer hasn't taken any reps, zero reps in team practice with the ones. It's, it's been Jay okay. Daniels and it's been Miles Brennan. Okay. Blake Rafino, kind enough to join us. Back to the offensive line. Are you, um, are they solid at the center position or is there a big time competition still going on there? No, they're not, they're not solid there at all. Okay. Um, I'm worried about that position at the current moment. I have a lot of faith in Garrett Dellinger to take over that position. Um, we need him to come back and we need him to get healthy. Um, and I think that he takes over that position or, or somebody else. I know Charles Turner has done better, um, but doing better is not, you know, <laughs> it's just not, it, he hasn't been the best. Now, he does, the thing that I do like and have always liked about Charles Turner, he does have a very high football IQ, but mm -hmm. having a high football IQ and getting dominated at the line of scrimmage are, 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 are not too good attributes to have, but Right. Um, let's see if he can have a bigger offseason. And if he does, you know, I, I would say that um, he could maybe he could start here, but um, he's going to have to have a huge summer. Blake, has the light switch come on for John Emery Jr. now? Looks like it. Looks like yeah. it. Um, you know, 
I think, you know, we go through this as humans and just talking about a human aspect of it. Sometimes, Jordy, you, we got to mature. And, yeah. um, I, look, I, I got to say this, and I've said it on my show, and, and Jordy, I'll say it here. Um, I just, I really like how much he's kind of grown up a little bit. You know, he mm-hmm. could have taken his ball and run, no you know, the old, as the old saying goes, when, yep. um, Things didn't go his way, but he was always at practice. He was always giving up tons of effort, uh, giving looks on the scout team, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, but you know, he's looking good. But again, the things that people don't see is he's still got to he's got to hold on to the football. He had another fumble again uh, this weekend, but I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that up right now. Currently, just to him being out. Um, but I, I still, I still like what I'm seeing from John Emery. But from a dynamic standpoint, uh, he's put on some weight, which then he's breaking some tackles. Which, if he can do that with the speed that he has, watch out. Like we're feeding the Are You Serious podcast. Um, are you, from what you've seen and what you've heard, uh, is this team progressing? Are they getting better? I mean, they've got a long, long way to go, and they've got big hurdles to climb with the teams they have to play. But for right now, um, with, what, seven scrim practices under the belt, seven, eight, I don't, I can't remember how many, uh, under Brian Kelly, are, are they making the progress that is necessary to be competitive in the fall? Yeah, you know, the one thing that I like the most is, is guys are lined up in the right position. No false starts, no offsides, um, guys just knowing where they need to go. I okay. think that that's the biggest thing because, Jordy, let's, let's be honest. And, I, look, I, you know, people get on me with this all the time. They have talent. I think it's just right. coaching them and, and teaching them where they need to be at, at parts of the game and parts of the time where, you know, look, scheme is the biggest thing. We saw yeah. a season ago what scheme does, right, Jordy? I mean – Sure. When, when the when the light switch got turned on against Alabama, against Alabama, uh, and the scheme changed for Durante Jones, what happened? They looked a lot better. So, what happens when you're able to teach a very talented team that uh, again? Yeah, um, absolutely. What what position group are you the most confident in at this point in time? I would probably say defensive line. I just think that there's too much talent there for me not to be confident. You know, even if somebody were to go down, God okay. forbid. Um, I think that you have another talented guy that could that could step up. Let me give an example. Quaylen Roy, a little nicked up, could have gone if it was a game. A um, little nicked up, but then here comes Jacoby and uh, Guillory, very yeah. talented kid out of Alexandria. And quite honestly, he was unblockable. Completely unblockable. Okay. The entire practice. Um, I think that I'm the most confident there. Um, maybe second, if not tied, with wide receiver. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Do we have – has an elite pass rusher emerged? I, I don't – when I think of the word elite, you know, I, I'm thinking of Will Anderson at Alabama – Right. I don't know if um, I don't know if BJ Ojolari can be that. I think he has the potential to be that. Okay. Um, I, I I don't know that. I, you know, but he's looked good. He looks a little bit bigger and leaner. Like he looks like a true 
stand-up defensive end or, or stand-up outside linebacker. Um, but they're going to need to get somebody else that can that can get there. Now, the biggest thing and, and something that they that, that that's killed them, um, they're going to have to start getting an interior pass rush too, which has killed okay. LSU, even killed them in 2019. Um, if they can get that, it will free up guys like B.J. Ojolari. You know, the biggest misconception for Nick Saban and company, for an example, is the reason that guys like Will Anderson do so good is because you have such a a good interior pa- yeah, yeah. or push. Yeah. Uh, if you can have that, then a guy like BJ can can tee off. All right, Blake. Um, always fun, man. Always informative. Thank you so much. Uh, my best to you, your family. Have a great Easter, and thank you, my friend. Thank you too, sir. Have a good Easter and, and go Tigers. Right, there you go, Blake Rafino. Kind enough to join us. All right, we'll take a quick time out here. When we come back, uh, we'll wrap up this Monday edition, the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Show, and hopefully you enjoyed it half as much as we did bringing it to you. Special thanks to Chris Reed, talking LSU baseball, Glenn West, LSU football, Ali Cassell, the Pelicans, Karaski, Melvin, the Raging Cajun spring game, and Blake Rafino, more of LSU football stuff. Tomorrow, Bob Rose will join us. More on the Pels. We'll preview uh, LSU Lamar baseball and much, much more. So, James, thank you for all you do, and happy birthday again. Again, young man, y'all text him, y'all, uh, uh, whatever, communicate with him and wish him a happy birthday. Um, and come on back tomorrow, same time, two to four, same great station, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Thank you all for listening. Our partners, thank you so much. We couldn't do it without you. Thank you to ShopRite, Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets for bringing us each and every Monday. And then, uh, Have a great one. Be safe out there. And as always, stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy, my friends. And by all means, let's be happy, my friends. So long, everybody. 